Guide us, O God, by your word and spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover your peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The scripture reading this morning is from John, the 17th chapter, verses 20 through 26. It can be found in the Sanctuary Bible on page 111 of the New Testament. Listen now for God's living word. I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory, which you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you. And those who know that you have sent me I made your name known to them, and I will make it known so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Reveal, O God, your wonder to our eyes. Open our hearts to Christ's love. Disperse from our minds any darkness and fill our lives with your light. Protect us, O God, from thoughts without action. Guard us from words without life. Grant us wisdom to walk in your ways and open us always to the guiding of your spirit. In our scripture this morning, Jesus, praying to God, speaking to God, Jesus says, You have given me, I have given them so that they may be one as we are one. The big word here is glory. Glory, God's glory. My question is, what exactly is glory? How do we define glory in a human way, and how does God define glory? About a month ago, I was wondering about glory when I went, that is glorious, as I was watching the end of the Golden State Warriors game against the Houston Rockets. It was game six. It was on the line for the Rockets, but the Warriors won. I was happy. But before I get into why I thought this, why I got into this conversation with myself about glory, I want to tell you about something that's very not glorious and explain my own relationship to basketball. You see, as a youth, I really wanted to be a good basketball player. And let's leave it at this. Basketball is not a talent or gift that I have been given. I learned this when I went to basketball camp in the eighth grade with my friends. We were in a group, and we were 
being instructed on how to shoot free throws. And we were focusing on form, and so we started with shooting free throws, and then we were given a blindfold to do the exact same thing shooting free throws. Let's just say you will never live it down with any of your friends if you shoot more free throws blindfolded than with your eyes open. I know it happened to someone in this sanctuary, and we can say it was not glorious. Watching basketball, I have become a Steph Curry fan. He is glorious to watch when he plays basketball in my eyes. So when I watch basketball, I am usually watching the Golden State Warriors, sorry Pistons, and I especially wanted to see this game as the, the game between the Golden State Warriors and the Rockets. There was a lot of talent playing in this series. And as I was watching game six, it was the possibility for the Warriors to move on to the next round. And since the Star Warriors player Kevin Durant was injured, it was Curry's time to step up in the matchup against Harden. But in the game, Curry was not scoring, and Harden was. In the whole first half, Curry ended up getting benched because he didn't score a single point. Not a single point in the entire first half. The guy who was supposed to help carry the team. It was zero, it was nothing, and it was not glorious. Actually, it felt kind of disappointing. It felt It felt like realizing that you could play basketball better if you were blindfolded. And poor Curry was sitting on the sideline with a towel over his head. And the commentators kept repeating over and over again that number zero. But then something happened in that game. If you watch the first half, there were a number of great players who played for the Golden State Warriors. Not the big stars, but great in their own right. And they played great together. The first half of the game, the Warriors were a fully connected team, and they held together when Curry could not. They kept scoring points, and there was something glorious about it, not because there was one star doing it all, but because without their stars, one injured, one not playing, they played great together like a great team. The glory of the moment was a team that was completely tuned in to one another. One of the themes that scripture echoes again and again is unity, a sense of togetherness, a life as a community, and together with God, together with one another, we find Unity, And this, for Jesus, is where we experience God's glory. When we experience life fully connected to one another and to God. Now, the timeline in our lectionary's schedule of readings for worship can sometimes be odd. While Easter happened seven weeks ago, the chronology of Scripture places it Uh, places uh, it right before Jesus enters Jerusalem, before Passover, before the crucifixion, before resurrection. And so our reading this morning in time chronology 
happened but nevertheless, a while ago. Jesus is at this point in his ministry where he is turning toward Jerusalem, where his ministry is about to come to an end, and Jesus is anticipating what is to come. And so Jesus prays. He gathers the disciples and he prays for them. These 12 gathering around a table and the scripture this morning is this prayer. He prays for the work that the disciples will do together as a community of faith. But then this prayer expands beyond the disciples. And Jesus prays this, I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. Jesus makes extends across generations, across centuries. It extends even so far as to us gathered here, to you and to me. The story of Jesus given to us through these very disciples gathered in this story as Jesus prays. Maybe the timing of the scripture, while chronologically seems strange, maybe the timing of it actually is just right. This prayer of Jesus lives in the space between God and people, right where the Holy Spirit is at work, right where the Holy Spirit is alive, bringing us together that we might know God's love more intimately. It's a moment where we can anticipate next week, Pentecost, our celebration of God's Holy Spirit. Now this prayer that Jesus prays is, a one, is one that keeps pointing to God's glory. It is a prayer that gathers people together in God and in one that another. Sure sounds to me like the glory of God when it is realized. And when I hear words like glory in scripture, though, I begin to feel a bit lost in the woods. Words like glory can feel abstract, uh, difficult to understand. Such words are strangely theological when they're kept in the context of, of scripture and faith. But in the church's worship life, we have a very good illustration for the word glory. You see, the word for glory, the word that we get the word glory from is also the word from which we get the word doxology. And so every Sunday we sing a doxology right after we dedicate our lives and our talents, our resources, our actions and our activities. Right after that, as a response to God's grace and God's generosity, we sing a song of gratitude for what God has done in our lives. What God has given us that we might give as well. We sing a song praising God for God's glory. We sing doxology. Now, the glory of God revealed in the prayer of Jesus in our scripture this morning is a prayer uh, that is selfless. It 
is sacrificial. It is a fully humble act of creating life for all people. And when we sing our doxology, our primary response is gratitude for this which Jesus has done. Now in worship, we sing that doxology to say thank you. But we may also find ourselves naming our doxologies in other places in our lives. At work, at home, places where we might volunteer or gather with friends. We might say thank you to God in these spaces for any number of reasons. Safety, recovery, friendship, new opportunities, all of these things we can name with gratitude. And when we do simultaneously naming God's glory, just like we do in worship. Now this is, after all, the work of the church, the work of the people. That is the worship of God that starts here, but that we bring with us into every other part of our lives. Wherever we are, whatever we are doing, naming God's glory when we see it is one of the practices of our faith. And such sharing invites people in to know that deep and abiding love love that Jesus names when he prays in the scripture this morning. Now, over the last God opening doors, doors of welcome, doors of compassion, of second chances, of love, and so on. But today we turn our we turn our doxology toward God opening doors to community. And there are a lot of reasons why community can be important, and we know these reasons. We could name them. But really, what really opens doors to the connections and the unity that Jesus speaks of in this scripture, what really opens the possibility of people's faith growing together is this very act of proclaiming doxology, of proclaiming God's glory. It is the response that we make to God that makes us come alive with one another, and it brings us together with one another, knitting us together with God. There was a great spiritual teacher, one named Arrhenius of Lyon, who wrote that the glory of God is a human being. This is more more than breath, more than air, more than animation. Becoming fully alive is not something that we just do in isolation. It's not something that we do alone. We are never just one person on a court playing a game alone. The fullest form of acting out our gratitude of God, our doxology to God, is done God together. God a person, or perhaps a people, fully alive. People fully alive who are one with God and one with one another. Arrhenius speaks these words knowing that the world becomes more alive when people are alive. 
when people feel fully alive. So when we go into our lives, we offer these doxologies. We can make these doxologies everywhere we go. We don't always realize it. We may not always know it, but we do. The question is, where do you share your doxology? I ask this because these doxologies open doors for us and others to experience community. For the church, this is the community that gathers here at this table, the table where Jesus makes this big prayer that crosses these generations, gathering us together, uniting people as the body of Christ. Our doxology here, where do we take our doxology in the rest of our life? Now, my grandmother used to share her doxology by writing cards to other people. She was in an assisted living apartment, still writing cards to people even less mobile than herself. Now, my wife, Emma, she can saute and bake and cook her doxologies for other people. I have a friend, a close friend, who whose doxology is the way he is present to you when you're in conversation. The rest of the world falls away when you talk to him. Doxologies were much poems. Of my own life. Not necessarily my own writing, but the right poem at the right time shared with others, taped to apartment doors, left on roommates' car windshields. That's always funny. Posted on refrigerators, in the office, wherever a poem might want to belong. And I've seen doxologies, these kinds of doxologies proclaimed among this church. The sharing of so many different gifts and abilities among this faith community. Doxologies of wonderful food and hospitality abilities that people share with one another. There are doxologies of absolutely stunning music that is played, that is sung. I've seen doxologies of really good organization, of financial acumen, good and healthy decision-making. I've seen doxologies of generous welcome Doxologies of people being with children and caring for the hurting. You see, God opens doors to the world to create meaningful communities of faith. And we participate in opening these doors by offering our own thanks and praise. And so our doxology, whatever form it may take whatever form it might take on we sing it here in worship but then we bring it with us part of our life we all have these gifts for a profound doxology so what is yours how do you say thank you to god how do you make your gratitude whatever it is May God enliven you as you share it with the world, as you share it faithfully, as you share it with your church. Thanks be to God. Amen.